Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. If you got your Bible today, we're going to be in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, and uh, then we're going to flip on over to Mark chapter 5. we got a long way to go, just one chapter over. And uh, it's going to be a great day today. And today we're starting a brand new series, as Pastor mentioned, called Where Miracles Happen. Let's all say that together. Where Miracles Happen. Where Miracles Happen. And uh, I've heard people tell me all the time, uh, Adam, I just don't believe that Jesus still does miracles today. Uh, I have heard people tell me that I just don't believe in that. That was so Old Testament or that was so New Testament. And uh, I really don't think Jesus wants to do a miracle, let alone do it in my own life. And all of a sudden, we kind of box God into this reality or box him in to our own circumstance to where he, we, we don't want him to move. We don't believe he can move. And if you feel that way today... I got to tell you, you came by too late to tell me that. I've seen him do way too much. I've seen him do so many amazing miracles, not only in my life, but in my family and uh, people around me. I have seen him do the impossible, and I call it impossible because he's the only one that the credit goes to on that. And so I came to tell you today that he is still a miracle-working God that he still is in the miracle working business. And I don't know about you, but I came to get all I can get today. I came to get all the miracles, all the things that God wants to do in my life. And I don't know about you, but I'm here ready to receive and ready for him to do an amazing work today. Do you believe that today, church? Amen. Me too. Me too. And I'm really grateful uh, for God just showing me different things throughout my life. And helping me just be the better version of myself that I possibly can be. And so I, I just want to open up Mark chapter 5 here, and then this will be kind of the preface that we kick this series off with. And it says, Jesus left there. Well, where is there? We're about to find out where there was in just a moment. I'm about to show you. And went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Somebody say, wow, in the room. Just say it one time, wow, wow, wow. They were amazed. When did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this just a carpenter? <laughs> they thought he was supposed to be somebody else. They began to build up these recollections about him that, oh, he's just a carpenter. This is people that Jesus grew up with. They saw him growing up and all these different things, and they're like, he's just an average guy. They thought, they thought, they, they thought he was supposed to be somebody different. And so isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon aren't his sisters with us here as well? And the scripture says they got offended. <laughs> and Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own, own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He cannot do any miracles there 
except lay his hand on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed. Somebody say, wow. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to, to village. So they stood in amazement by all the things that they had, he had said and the miracles that he had done. Word got around really quickly from village to the village of what Jesus was doing. As a matter of fact, it got so bad that when he would show up, there'd be crowds of people all around him moving with him. I don't know if you guys have ever watched ants before. Not the movie, but just like physically, like watching them, what they do. They don't move without one another. And so I just kind of pictured the crowd. Jesus is leading, and then all of these folks are just following him. And so you had all these folks following. You had word, verbal cues, things like that that people were saying. But Jesus goes to his home, hometown and is criticized about the miracles that he was performing. And so they began to assume and they thought. Somebody say thought. He was somebody else. And so in then Mark chapter 5 verse 21 we see probably one of the miracles that got back to his hometown. As a matter of fact, this was the last miracle he did and performed before he entered into his hometown. Mark chapter 5, verse 21 says it like this. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. They began to take selfies, Snapchat, they began to post a TikTok dance with Jesus in the background. Just making sure y'all paying attention with me today. <laughs> That's the AIV. That's the Adam International version right there for you. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, he's an important dude. This guy led all the synagogues. He would just show up and he would tell people what to do, different things like that. He was an important guy back in the day. So Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. You know, I read this, and I can't imagine. can't imagine the stress that Jairus was facing dealing with an illness an illness that was very close to taking his daughter's life. I've got three boys of my own at home. One of, one of them has just turned five in September this year, and the other two, they're twin boys. And uh, they'll be four months in uh, next month, actually. So they're three months now. Just got to do my math real quick. Four comes after three. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Don't tell them I said that, okay? But... Uh, I just can't imagine, can't imagine the stress that he was under to the point of where he was doing things that he normally would not do. And I want to pause just for a second and just kind of bring in the context about Jairus's because I feel like if you skip over Jairus, you don't do the rest of our story any justice. But yet Jairus is really not the assignment that I want to get to, but she'll come in just a moment. But I wanted to point out about Jairus is that Certain situations will make your position irrelevant. It doesn't matter if you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, you own your own business, or whatever the case may be, when you get into a certain circumstance, that will change you from the inside out. It will make your position irrelevant. 
When there's no peace in your home, there's no position in your job that can make you feel good about your life. So that the issue that was happening in Jairus' home had brought him to a low place, even though he occupied a high position. I heard a preacher tell me one time, an old school church of God preacher, you know, you turn before you burn type thing, you know, that kind of deal. Don't worry, I ain't preaching that today. That's next week, okay? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Relax, guys. Breathe. It's all right. But I, this guy would say, man, you got you to gotta get low before you get into the kingdom of God. You got to get low. Just, I just think about a hip-hop song every time I hear that phrase. And it makes me feel unsanctified and undignified right now. And I apologize. I'll ask for forgiveness later <laughs> real quick. But, but he's a synagogue ruler. He wasn't just somebody that stood and attended. It was somebody who actually has some influence in, the, in the, the city there. And so now he comes to this rabbi, this radical teacher, this healer, and he wants to know, are you going to help me with this issue? And oftentimes I've noticed in my own life and possibly in yours, we find ourselves in a place we never thought we'd be. We make all these plans, we prep, we do all these things, and then all of a sudden, life happens. We find ourselves in places we never thought we'd be. And for Jairus, that was at Jesus' feet. Position of desperation. Position of wanting God to actually do something significant. And I wonder if God has brought you and I to a position in our life at some point in a season to where all we could find ourselves is at his feet. That's all we had. That's all we could muster itself up. And to be honest, when he came to Jesus, that was a miracle in itself. It's a miracle that he could actually get to Jesus because Jesus was so popular. And so we have Jairus and his daughter, Jairus comes to Jesus and he says, hey, could you help a brother out a little bit? And so Jesus says, of course, I'll, I'll go on my way with you. And so scripture says they began to move to the miracle, which was Jairus' daughter. But little did Jesus know that a miracle was moving toward him. So he was moving to a miracle and then Jesus, or a lady, who we'll find out in just a moment who she was, began to move toward him, and she says, if I could just touch Jesus. So I feel like my assignment to you today is I want to teach you how to move to a miracle, how to move to a miracle. Go ahead and slap somebody next to you and tell them, are you moving to your miracle today? Don't slap them too hard. We don't have workman's comp, all right? <laughs> But they began to, to move toward Jairus' house where his daughter was. But something happens that's significant. There's an interruption that takes place. And I've noticed in my life that most of the time when miracles happen, they always happen in the middle of the other things that we think are more important. Have you noticed this in your own life? You're so focused on something else that a miracle is right underneath you. And so on the way, he gets interrupted. Jesus gets interrupted. Now, the thing about it is he gets interrupted. Uh, Jairus was the main point of the writing, but then all of a sudden, this interruption becomes the main point. Mark writes about it. It's like 
Mark begins to write about Jairus' daughter and then hits a 180 and begins to go all in detail about this interruption. And I looked in the scripture too. Luke done the same thing. Even Matthew, Matthew wrote about it too. So that leads me to think that what happens next is so significant that it's shown up in three of the four gospels. So when Luke wrote about it, he wrote in a different way because he was a doctor, he was a physician. But Mark writes about it on the miracle on a basis of action. So the Bible says a large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus, and a woman was there. Oh, here we go. I want to talk about this woman today. This is who I really want to talk about. This is who I want to talk about. Maybe Matthew told us who her, what her name was. I didn't read that. Do you guys know her name? If you do, please tell me because I couldn't find it anywhere. Mark didn't write about it. Matthew didn't write about it. Luke didn't write about her name. But what we do know is that she was subject to bleeding for 12 years. She has been identified by her issue. And we live in a world and a society today to where we're so quick to identify people by their issue. Oh, that's so-and-so. She has blank. Oh, they, that's so-and-so. Their marriage is blank. And we begin to identify people by their issues. But I came to tell somebody today that your identity is not in your issue. Your identity is not in your issue. Your identity is not in your issue. I, y'all, I remember. I, I've preached this scripture so many times in my life. And I remember I, I got saved when I was 15. I got radically saved, and I was on fire for Jesus. I would get, get up and preach. had no idea what I was preaching, but I would just tell people, man, I love Jesus. You should love him too. That was a sermon. That was it. Like there was just none of this that, we, that I'm doing today. I was just passionate about it. And so one day at New Life Baptist Church in Raven, Alabama, come on, somebody. I grew up in the boondocks. Anybody relate? I grew up where a cow was your next door neighbor and your best friend, all right? That's just what happened. And so I grew up there in, at New Life Baptist Church. My mom still, still attends that church today. And my pastor at the time, he was a good mentor of mine. He actually married Danielle and I. His name is Brother Otis Thames and just had the best smile and everything. He's an amazing guy. I talk to him every so often, been a huge influence in my life. And he gave me the idea that I should just go and preach to the students. Had no idea what I was doing. I said, all right, brother, whatever you want, I'll do it. I love Jesus and I love you too. Thank you, appreciate it. And so here we go. And so I began, I just knew, I, I hey, I'm a teenager, I like to eat. Apparently these guys like to eat, so let me just go buy some food, all right? On my own budget. <laughs> so I just went, bought a few pizzas, and we did our deal, you know. So I would, I would feed the kids, and then I would teach to them. And so I got so passionate about this scripture, I said, man, how many of y'all want God to do a miracle in your life? You just got to get on your hands and knees and crawl to Jesus and pray and do all that, and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden in the back, I see a little hand of a 12-year-old waving. I said, praise God, I see you, brother. Yeah, yeah. No, I have a question. I thought he was wanting healing. He's got a question. He's trying to interrupt me. I said, all right, brother, go ahead. You know, go ahead. He said, Adam. And just for the record, I was teaching that this lady would show up and she was bleeding everywhere. everywhere. Like that was what I thought. 
Like she was dragging herself in a pool of blood. That's just kind of what I thought. I know it's gross. It's just what happened, all right? And so that's what I envisioned was happening. And then this guy raised his hand. He said, Adam, she was bleeding on the inside, not the outside. She was bleeding on the inside. She had issues going on on the inside. She was hemorrhaging. I'm like, how do you even know what hemorrhaging actually means? You can't even spell it. Drop in spelling B right now. Let's make it happen. A little 12-year-old trying to tell me what the scripture is. Right? And he said, he's bleeding. she's bleeding on the inside. She's bleeding, not on the outside. She's dealing with something internal. And who would have thought this guy's voice hadn't even changed yet and he was dropping the- theological bombs on me like that. And it led me to think, how many of us today at our campuses and online, we're bleeding on the inside. We have something internal on the inside of us that we have hidden from everybody else around us. We are dealing with issues and things in our life that our spouse doesn't even know about. And here's the crazy thing, is that we haven't even told anybody. We've just locked it away in a closet hoping that it would just deal with itself. Is that you today? Are you dealing with some things on the inside, feeling insignificant? Have you been diagnosed with certain things? Are you dealing with things that you're trying to keep your diagnosis at bay to where nobody would find out because if they find out, they would think that you were somebody else? What are you dealing with internally? You couldn't see, and and this lady, she shows up to Jesus. Jesus is passing through. She shows up, and nobody could tell what she was dealing with. She just knew that she had to get to Jesus. That's a tough place to be. It's a tough place to be, to be dealing with something so internal, and she was bleeding in a place that no one could see. I, I, I feel like if you showed up in my, in my presence where I would just see you, I would have a tissue for you. If you were physically had a nosebleed or something like that, I, I could find a solution. I could, you know, get some essential oils. Come on, somebody. Like, that would help, right? But this lady was bleeding on the inside, so nobody knew what was happening. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you say, Adam, just pray for me. I need a financial breakthrough. Really, the issue isn't that you need a financial breakthrough at all. It's that you feel like you're insignificant as a man, and you feel like you can't handle your business anymore. You feel like you can't support your family anymore. And if you can't even provide for your family, what good are you? It's on the inside. You're bleeding, not financially. You're bleeding on the inside today. And here's the crazy thing that I noticed in the text. As she comes up, Jesus didn't even see her. Well, Adam, he sees all things. Apparently not this time. Because he's asking his disciples, who touched me? He's spinning around, you know, trying to do the two-step. Like, who touched me? Like, what's going on? And so this lady comes and she touches his garment. And then she flees. She goes away. Verse 26, it said, 
A large crowd followed and pressed around him, chapter 5, verse 26. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She has suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Isn't it crazy, church, that how some of the ways we try to fix something, but we feel better in the, in the end result, or we feel not better in the end result, we feel worse. Have you ever done something to feel better, but find out it actually makes you feel worse? No matter how many times you can smoke that or drink that or go to that or watch that, whatever it is, you still feel worse because it's on the inside. It fixed it for a minute. It fixed it for a minute, but you've been doing some things that maybe fixed it for a minute. But I love what Luke says in his gospel. He says, nobody could fix this woman. Mark says she went to every doctor. She tried every, every program. She tried everything. She did all the things. But then Luke just said, we can't fix her. It's too much. Nobody could fix this woman. And chances are, with Luke being a physician, he probably saw this woman at some point with her disease. The place you go to feel better right now is it making it better it's just a question the places you're going outside of Jesus to make it feel better to find your significance is it making it better and then before long what happens is that we start to identify ourselves with the information that we receive we start to find our identity in our issue this lady was known by her issue. There's one man, we have Jairus, who's identified by his significance, and one woman who's identified by her issue. You know, I, I love my wife so much. She's so fun. Man, we had the best time. She's awesome. We'll be married 10 years this next year. Pretty awesome. Really grateful for that. It's a long time to put up with me, girl. You've been doing it, though. And, uh, but we have three boys at home. And uh, like I said earlier, I have a five-year-old son. His name is Abraham. And then we have two twin boys named Toby and Benny. And uh, they're three months old. And uh, so, but when Abraham first came out, we kind of got into this rhythm where we just started calling him nicknames, right? Y'all don't do that for none of y'all kids. Man, we do it all the time. So when he came out, his name was Baby A. That's what we called him, Baby A. All of our texts, we got the text messages to prove it, all that. Baby A is his name. Then we just started, you know what, forget the baby, let's just call him A, all right? It's too much to type. So we just call him A. And then all of a sudden, it goes to Bibbidi Boo. I'm like, where does that name even come from? You know, it's just, this girl been watching too many Mary Poppins. That's exactly what is happening. And then all of a sudden, you know, we start calling him all these things. Our students at youth group were calling him Ham Jam. That one stuck. That was pretty good. Yeah. But now, I think this one today takes all the cake. This is what we call him right now. It's, we call him Snooty New. Yeah, you heard that right. Snooty New. That is something my wife fabricated. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. And Adam, well, do you call him that? Absolutely, I do. Yeah. It's just part of it. Now, Toby and Benny, they've got to the point where we start calling them nicknames. First of all, it was double portion. That's what I called them when they first come out. Yes, Lord, give me two of them. I'll take two. 
And then when they, first, they come out, now we call them uh, boo bears is what we call them. Oh, boo bear, it's okay. But now it's Toby Tobe and Benny Boy. That's what we call them. Toby Tobe and Benny Boy. And then now because thanks to Pastor Travis, we're going to start calling them Benny and the Jet. That's just our deal right now, okay? <laughs> Benny and the Jet. Like we got shirts and everything like we're making right now. It's Benny and the Jet. <laughs> but everything has a name. There was a moment that this lady had a name. But now she's identified by her issue. Her diagnosis had a name. Her issue had a name. Her circumstance had a name. But thanks be to God that she's got a healer who also has a name as well. And his name is Jesus. And that is the name that is above every diagnosis. That is the name that is above every issue. That is the name above every circumstance. Anything that you can go through, that name has power. That name has hope. And that name has healing. And I thank God every single day that I know the name that is above every name. And his name is Jesus. That's where my help comes from. That's where my healing is in the name of Jesus. Oh, I thank you for the name of Jesus. Because at, at that name, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. All you got to do in the middle of your circumstances, say, call on the name of Jesus. Come on, if you thank him today, give him a good shout of praise in the room. Oh, I love the name of Jesus. It's by his name that we can overcome. It's by his name that we can do all things. She lost who she was within a 12-year period. She had no longer been identified by her name, but identified by her issue. Could you just imagine this lady back in Hebrew culture, if someone got diagnosed with some type of terminal disease, they would excommunicate them outside of the city. And so this lady outside of the city, had lost everything that she knew about. Scripture says that she gave all she had to the doctors just to try to get back to normal. Gave all she had. She had nothing left. But Scripture says when she heard about Jesus, when she heard his name, she said, I don't know what I got to do, but I'm getting to where he's at. I got to go where he is. So could you just imagine, she's on the outskirts of town. She begins to make her way in. There's probably some security guards at the gate. She kind of sneaks her way past the security guards. She gets through the gate. All of a sudden, she sees this big sea and crowd of people. She says, oh my God, he's got to be right there. I got to push on through. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, I came to tell you, you got to push through to get to your miracle. So she starts pushing through. She said, if I could just hit the hem of his garment, I promise everything will make sense. Everything, I will be whole again. So she begins to push through, and I could just imagine her cousins, her brothers and sisters, her parents, see her, hey, what is she doing here? What is she doing? She's not supposed to be here. And if you remember, Jairus wasn't supposed to be in the presence of Jesus either. But now there's a correlation, there's a connection happening. People are getting out of their comfort zone and they're pushing through and moving to find their miracle. And here's what happened. She thought, she thought, she thought, if 
I just could touch his clothes, I'll be healed. If I could just get in his presence. She's self-activated. She said, I'm not going to wait on my miracle to get to me. I'm going to go to where my miracle is. I'm not going to wait on a a word from God. I'm going to go to where the word is. And some of you here today, those of you watching online at all of our campuses, you self-activated today too. You said, no matter what I'm dealing with, I'm going to get in the car. I'm going to buckle my seatbelt in, and I'm going to church. I know the kids are tired. They've been playing Call of Duty all night, but we got to get into the house of the Lord because that's where the spout of glory is. Y'all don't know nothing about that. It's a little old school right there, but that's where his presence is, and in his presence, I can be made whole again. Woo, I thank you for the presence of God today. I need it. I need God. I need him to do something. Amazing in my life. When she heard, she heard, she heard, she heard. So that's the first thing she did, she heard. But I want you to notice today, she didn't get healed off of what she heard. This word can only do so much by hearing. Scripture says faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God, but without works, faith is dead. James would say, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Instead, do what it says. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. It's not going to get better because you took good notes today. It's not going to get better because you joined five different small groups and you're doing a great job in there. Awesome. Applause to you. But what happens when your miracle happens, that is when you say, Lord, I've had enough. I'm pushing through to you. I got to get in your presence to where you are because he's the only thing that can change me. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. So how did she get to a miracle? There's six steps that she did. And I'm going to break them down really quick, and then I'll go in, continue on here. Number one, she heard. She heard about Jesus. Then because of her hearing, she began to do something about it. So she came. Then she thought. And then she touched. She felt. And then she told. She heard. She came. She touched. Maybe instead of waiting on a touch from God, I'm going to touch God for myself. I'm going to praise God all by myself. I'm going to get grateful. Why? Because gratitude is a strategy to receive a miracle. Gratitude is a strategy to receive a miracle. I need God. So right now where I'm at, no matter what diagnosis you may have, I'm going to stand up and in this moment, I'm just going to get grateful for a second. I'm going to do what Psalm says and says, enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. I've got all the praise and Lord, you're worthy of it today. Praise him in your middle. Praise him in the moment where you are today. She came. She heard. She touched. If I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. You know, and as I read this text, I have a lot of questions. A lot of questions. I was kind of going through and looking through all those things. It said in verse 29 that immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. and I just got a couple questions. The first one was, how did Jesus not see her? Like, I, I thought he was the son of God. Like, I thought he could see. I thought he could point these things out. And the second thing I, I thought about was, who was this woman thinking that she was 
to sneak up on the Savior of the world and touch his clothes. Like, who was she? Who was she to interrupt Jesus? He was on the way to do something important, to raise a dead little girl of a synagogue leader. And then the other question I had, this is just kind of, man, I watched wrestling a lot when I was a kid. This question just may have came out of the flesh, but I got to ask it. Why didn't Jairus just grab this lady and throw her out of the way? Man, if it was y'all, I would have done it. I'm just being honest. I would have put y'all on a Ric Flair figure four leg lock so quick, it wouldn't have took in no time. Get out of my way. I'm on my way to my miracle. But there's one question that I wanted to ask you today. What stopped the woman's bleeding? What stopped it? Well, Adam, that's easy. There's Jesus. There's Jesus. Jesus did it. For years when I taught this, I thought it was when Jesus touched the lady. And when she touched Jesus, that signified faith because the flow of the bleeding would stop. But the Bible says immediately, Mark's favorite word to use to transition his gospel was immediately. So the gaining of her life was Jairus' daughter losing hers. Immediately. She thought, verse 28 says this, because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Verse 29, immediately. Her bleeding stopped. It's because she thought, she heard, she came, she thought, she touched. And I came to tell somebody today, that God said to you, you can stop it with a thought. You can stop it with a thought. There are things in your life that have overtaken and hijacked your thought life. Are you worried about things that have happened in the past and it has caused you to not move forward in the future? You can stop it with a thought. Scripture says that so a man thinketh as is he. So your thought life plays a huge role in what, how this is going to transpire. And I came to tell you today, you are not your issue. You are not what people classified you as. You are not marital issues. You are not your anger. You are not your diagnosis. You are not all of these things. How many times, ladies and gentlemen, have I limited in my own life what I could receive because of what I thought I was? Your thought life could either be a bridge to the miracle or a wall in place of your miracle. It starts with a thought. Hmm. She had a thought. She thought. She thought. She interrupts Jesus on her way to another miracle. And so what happens is Jesus starts asking his disciples who touched me? Who, who was it? And he's looking around. There's crowds, seas of people all around. Who touched me? And so he asked his disciples, and they're like, dude, we ain't got time for this. We got Jairus' daughter. She's dying. We got to go help her. But something triggered Jesus to stop. Who touched me? 
I felt power leave me. Something happened that I need to look at. And so what happened was the lady heard about Jesus looking for her and she felt bad about what she did. So she comes back into the presence of Jesus and she begins to say, it was me. I did it. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jesus. And she felt like she was being a nuisance or an inconvenience to Jesus. How many of us have ever felt like we've been an inconvenience to somebody next to us? The woman thought she was in trouble. She thought she had got caught. She thought it was over. She was like, surely I got free. Now he's going to throw me back out into exile. She says, it was me. I know I wasn't supposed to stop you, Jesus. I I know I caused the big commotion. I didn't mean to, to do it like that. I know you're on your way to heal somebody more important. I know that, but I just had to get a touch from you. And the more I read this text, I just would stare at it. I said, Lord, what is it that you want to show your people today? This text has been preached so many times. What is it that you need for us to hear today? And I'd stare at it. I'd look at it. And I began to read in verse 34 his response. He didn't try to reprimand her. He didn't try to get onto her. He didn't try to... to give her more money or do these, this, that, and the other. He didn't give her some scriptures to memorize. No. His response changed everything. When she touched him, immediately her bleeding stopped. She was already free. Why did Jesus call her back to him? He didn't need to heal her. That had already been done. He didn't have to, to go back into a conversation with this lady. She found freedom already. And she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. And what you need to know about the hem is that it was the dirty part. This was the bottom part of his robe that would drag itself through the mud, the muck, and the mire of the city. That, if I could just touch the least part of Jesus, I would get my healing. That's what she thought. That's what she thought. If I just touch it. So it happens, the exchange happens and She sneaks away like she stole something. (laughs) But why? Why did he call her back? And I believe today by the Spirit of God, Jesus is calling you back to himself today. And here's what I notice when I read verse 34. It's not what he told her. He already told her what she knew. But it's what he called her. He called her what she had not been called for so many years of her life. He said, daughter, pick up. Your faith has set you free. You're no longer the woman with the issue of blood. We call her that. That's what we call her. There's so many times in Scripture that I've read that Jesus touches people and they're healed. There are very few times that someone else touches him 
But there's only one time that I could read in all of Scripture that Jesus took the time to call somebody a daughter. This is the only time that Jesus uses that term. Why did he stop on the way to Jairus' daughter's house? Because there was another daughter in his presence that needed to know because she had forgotten who she was. She had been labeled by her mistakes, by her issues, by her diagnosis. But he says, look, I'm on my way to talk to another daughter, but I got somebody else that needs a touch from heaven too. I'm going to stop where I am and I'm going to call you who you are, not what you've done, not who you, what you've been through, but who you are. And you are a daughter of the Most High God. If I let you sneak away right now, the bleeding may stop. You may get healed, yes. But you may live the rest of your life believing something about yourself that isn't true. I need to know who I am in Christ. I need a new identity in Him. And I wonder, church, everybody at Pathway Church, those of you at all of our locations, everybody online, I wonder what would happen if we just had a group of people that realized I am a son, I am a daughter in Christ. I wonder what would happen in our life today if we knew who we are. Oh, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not made by accident. You may have the diagnosis and they may have called it a name, but your healer has a name. The Savior of the world has a name and his name is Jesus. Come on, can we just give him a good shout of praise in the room today? Oh, I thank you. Woo, I thank you. I'm not what I did. I'm not what I went through. I'm not what I thought I was. I'm not what I suffered. I'm not what I lost. But I am crucified in Christ. I can have what he has because I am who he says I am. And I, my miracle has a name and his name is Jesus. My miracle has a name and his name is Jesus. And Jesus says, daughter, you're free. What other people see as a mistake, I see as a miracle. What people see as a mistake, I see as a miracle. And you're not leaving today like a beggar. You're not leaving classified as your issue. But today, you're leaving as a son and a daughter of the Most High God. He doesn't call you by your issue. He calls you by your name. And that name has value. She went to get something from Jesus. She went to Jesus. But he had something more deeper than she expected. There are people in this room right now, all of our campuses, our locations, everybody online. You're fighting battles right now on the inside, on the inside. And maybe right now you're bleeding, you're hemorrhaging. You're wondering how tomorrow is actually going to work. You're wondering how on earth am I going to make it to another day? Things that no one knows about, things that you haven't even talked about, things that have tormented and defined you. But here you are today, here you are today, 
And you may have thought, if I could just get to church today, if I could just be in his presence, if I could just turn on Pathway on YouTube and Facebook, maybe God has something for me today. And I came to tell somebody today that he has a name and his name is Jesus. And he gives you that name as an adopted son or daughter. And he loves you more than you could ask, think, or imagine. And he's got an incredible plan, incredible purpose for you. So everybody's standing up to your feet today. I believe by the spirit of God, all the spirit of shame, doubt, and guilt, guilt is breaking off of you today. And today is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it why because his name is the name above every name oh I'm thankful for the name I'm thankful for the name touch somebody next to you and say it's the name it's the name it's the name it's the name of Jesus it's the name of Jesus that can move mountains it's the name of Jesus that can break bondages it's the name of Jesus that can break every chain it's the name of Jesus that can make a way where there seems to be no way he is the way maker he is the healer he is the mover and shaker oh I thank you for the name Thank you for the name. In just a moment at all of our locations online, what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. And when I end my count, I want you guys to just move to the altar. There are people in this room. You say, Lord, I need a miracle in my life today. Whatever that miracle is today. You make a move on it. Does everybody agree with that here today? Everybody over at airport, South Haven, Foley, everybody online on the count of three, I want you to move. Don't look to your left or to your side. We're pushing through right here today. We're pushing, moving to our miracle today. There's going to be people down front praying for you at all the different locations, and then we're going to go back into worship. On the count of three, here we go. You guys ready? On the count of three, we're pushing through today. One, two, three, move. Move. Come on, can we give these guys a big hand today? We're moving today. We're moving today. We're moving today. Every hand lifted in the room today. Mm. Lord, right now by your spirit, I break off every shame. I break off every guilt. I break off every label that people have called us. We may have a diagnosis and we may have a need. And although I may not know what that need is, God, I know who they need and his name is Jesus. Lord, I thank you today that you're still in the miracle working business. You're still a miracle working God. And what has happened in the Old Testament, what has happened in the New Testament, if you've done it before, well, by God, you can do it again. And I believe by the Spirit of God today, and you're going to move on my behalf today. I'm pushing to touch the hem of his garment today. I'm moving to get a touch from God today. I am not what I thought. I am not who I was. But I am who you call me today. I'm a son. I'm a daughter today and Lord I thank you for that promise today we fight our battles we fight our battles not by ourselves, but by with you God we thank you that it's not by might nor by power but by the spirit of God we can have overcoming power in our life today God we're fighting our battles with you you go before us behind us miracles are in the room today and I thank you 
We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week. Thank you.